Mesechas par pregud beis mishnah handful pregud beis mishnah ches. The previous mishnah taught that although mechatos is a source of impurity for anybody who touches or carries it, not for the sake of being purified. Nevertheless, once the mechatos has been sprinkled onto somebody or an item in order to purify it, then it no longer is a source of impurity. And in light of this, the Mishnah teaches that Eichis hu hatohar, a pure person, can hold onto bekurdoim hatome, an impure axe made out of metal, bechnosai, using the corner of his clothes, meaning that he's not directly holding onto the tome axe. We're talking about an axe that is on the level of an av hatuma, a primary level of impurity. And if the person would touch it directly, then he would become tome as a rishon latuma, which is one level below an av hatuma. But in this case, he's only holding onto the axe using his item of clothing, so he never actually touched it. And because of that, he remains pure. And meanwhile, umaze olov, somebody else can sprinkle the mechatos onto the axe whilst he's holding it, and. Even if the amount of mechatos that goes onto the axe is an amount that meets the minimum amount needed for sprinkling onto something to purify it, and that is also the amount of mechatos that if somebody carries it without touching it, he becomes Tomei. Although touching mechatos, even if you only touch a tiny amount of it, you become Tomei. In order to become Tomei by carrying or moving mechatos, it needs to be at least enough that it would be the minimum amount that is needed to sprinkle onto somebody to purify them. Be'ezemei, the Mishnah teaches that even if there is that amount of water that is on the axe, and he is currently holding onto the axe, although he's not touching the water or the axe, he is carrying it, and therefore I might have understood that he should become Tomei, because he's carrying enough mechatos that it should make him Tomei. Nevertheless, the Mishnah says that Tohar, he would remain pure because of the law that was taught in the previous Mishnah, that once the mechatos have been sprinkled onto something, they are no longer a source of impurity. And indeed over here, they've already been sprinkled onto the axe on, in order to purify it. Asks the Mishnah, How much mechatos does there need to be in order for it to be considered enough to sprinkle onto somebody? And that would make anybody who carries that amount of mechatos tome in general. Says the Mishnah, It's got to be enough water that you could dip the, the tips of the stems of the Azov into that water and the sprinkle that water onto an item. That's more than the minimum amount of mechatos that is needed for the actual sprinkling, because the azo would always absorb quite a lot of the water. So we're talking about an amount that is slightly more than the minimum amount that is needed for the sprinkling itself. And according to the first opinion of the Mishnah, it's that amount of mechatos that if somebody carries it, he would become Tomei. Of course, if he carries it before it has been sprinkled. On the other hand, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, we view it as if the mechatos was on a azov made out of copper, which doesn't absorb water, and that's another way of saying that the amount of water that one needs to carry in order for him to become Tomei is the same amount that needs to be sprinkled onto the item. We don't take account of the fact that if he were to dip the azov into it, then it would absorb some of the water. That's irrelevant, because the amount of mechatos that is a source of impurity is the amount that is technically needed for the azov to be dipped into it and sprinkled onto items in order to purify them. 
Mishnevot, it is learned from Pesukim that talk about the Hizohatohor. The Pesuk says that one should sprinkle the pure item. One way of understanding that Pesuk is that it's talking about the Ezev itself, the hyssop that is being used to sprinkle the water. And the Torah is telling us that it needs to be pure. And we learn from there that even in a case where, for whatever reason, the Ezev does not make the Mechatos itself impure... The very fact that the Ezev is impure would invalidate the sprinkling. Hamazab Ezev Tomei, one who sprinkles the Mechatos using a Tomei Ezev, a Tomei Hisop, if the Hisop is at least the size of a Kabitza, the size of an egg, that's the minimum size that food items, for example the Hisop, needs to be in order to transfer impurity onwards. So if it is at least that size, then Hamayim Pesulim, the Mechatus itself, is invalidated because it has become Tomei. Vahazayosu Pesula, and certainly the sprinkling itself, which he does with that Ezoiv and the water that touched it, certainly that would be invalid. Aimbo Kabetzar, if the Ezoiv itself is smaller than a Kabetzar, then Hamayim Kasherim, the water itself that it touched, would still be valid because it didn't become Tomei, since the Ezo is too small to make it Tomei. And therefore, if you find a pure hyssop and you dip it into the that same Mechatos, you could use that. But any sprinkling that is done with that Ezoiv would be invalid, even though the Mechatos itself is pure. It is learned from Sukkim that the Ezoiv itself that is used for the sprinkling must also be pure. The Mishnah adds something that we mentioned in passing a couple of parakim a couple of chapters ago, that one of the stringencies that exist Midrabonon with regards to the Paraduma is that anything that can make another item Tomei, we forget about the regular rules of impurity and the transfer of impurity, that each time the Tumor is transferred, it goes down a level. In general, if an other Tumor touches another item, it will become a Rishon Tumor, which is one level lower. For example, a Rishon Tumor which touches another item or another person would not make it impure, because it is on a lower level of impurity. Nevertheless, with regards to Pora Aduma, if something becomes impure, it can transfer that impurity onwards. And so the Mishnah says that this Ezoiv which is impure, Umutameyes Chaveiroi, it can make another Ezoiv or another item impure. And if that Ezoiv touches another Ezoiv, it would also become Tomei. Even up to 100 times or more, because this is one of the extreme stringencies Midrabonon that exist in the world of Pora Aduma. Mishnah Zayin, this Mishnah continues, somebody who is pure for the sake of carrying out the procedure of the Pora Aduma, he guarded himself for impurity with that intention, and his hands became impure. There are certain things like Tomei food items that Midrabonon make a person's hands impure if he touches them, and the rule is that any time somebody's hands become Tomei Midrabonon, for the laws of Pora Aduma, we consider it as if their entire body became Tomei. Nitmo Gufoi, his entire body becomes impure, and then, or Tamez Chaveiroi, he would make his friend or another item impure, and that item or that person would make another person Tomei, even up to a hundred or more times. And it's important to realize that when the Mishnah says that he makes the other person or other item Tomei, that's only in the world of Pora Aduma. With regards to all other laws of the Torah, we don't consider those items to be impure objectively. But as far as we're concerned in terms of the Pora Aduma procedure, we need to act as if those items are Tomei.
Mishnaches, the Mishnah gives an additional example. The law is that although a utensil cannot become tome by having contact with an impure liquid, nevertheless, if a tome liquid touches the back of a utensil, the outside of a utensil, then the outside of the utensil alone becomes tome. This is very unique in the world of Tuma. In general, if something becomes impure, the entire item becomes impure. But since anyway this is only a lenient impurity, the Chachomim instituted that only the outside of the utensil will become Tomei. That having been said, with regards to Karbonis, and this mission is going to show with regards to Pora Aduma as well, we don't start making such a differentiation, and if a Tomei liquid touches the outside of a utensil, then as far as the laws of Pora Aduma and Karbonis sacrifices are concerned, we consider the entire utensil to be impure. So if, for example, a piece of carbon meat touches the inside of such utensil, it will become tome and it will be forbidden to eat the impure carbon. This Mishnah states that law with regards to Paraduma, login Shalchatas, a container of sorts, a bottle which has been designated for the use of Mechatas, to hold Mechatas, Shinit Moachirov, and the outer part of this bottle became impure, it had contact with an impure liquid. Nit even its inside becomes impure, the entire utensil is now considered to be tome. And it would transfer its impurity onto another item that touches it, and that item would in turn make a different item tome even up to a hundred or more times, because once again this is a unique stringency instituted with regards to the laws of Pora Aduma. The next couple of Mishnayis focus on defining utensils that have more than one part, and whether the, the two parts of the utensils are considered to be distinct separate utensils, or if it's considered to just be two smaller parts of one larger utensil. And this really has two main ramifications. One is if one of the parts of the utensil becomes tome, does that automatically include the other part of the utensil, that it's also tome on exactly the same level? Or do we view that other part as just touching the tome utensil? And the other more relevant ramification to Amasechta is with regards to purifying it. If a mech, if mechatos is sprinkled on that, on that item, but it only lands on one of the parts of the item, is the whole item, the whole utensil considered to be purified, or just the part which was sprinkled with the mechatos? The first example that the mission talks about is hazugvah inbol chibor. A bell and the clapper which is inside of the bell that makes the noise, they are considered to be connected to the extent that it's considered to be like one utensil, and therefore if a source of impurity touches one of the parts, then the entire bell with the clapper becomes tome, and likewise if the Porat Dumas solution is sprinkled only on one of the parts, then it would all be- it will all become purified. The bell and the clapper are always used together, and it's very uncommon for them to the, the two parts to be separated from each other, and therefore it's considered to be one utensil. The next item that the mission discusses is a tool that was used for spinning threads, spinning fibers to turn them into thread, and it consisted essentially of a stick that on the bottom of this stick was a heavy metal weight, and at the top was a hook, and the hook would be attached to the fibers, and they would spin this tool, and with the aid of the heavy metal weight, the fibers would be spun and pulled tightly until they turned into thread. So the Mishnah talks about kushal rovon, a kush, this is this tool that is used for spinning, and over here it's used for spinning rovon, which is a type of rubber material or reeds. 
It's a relatively thick material for spinning, and because of the nature of this tool, the different parts of it were pretty much never disconnected from each other. And because of that, lo yaze lo yalakush v'lo yalapika, they shouldn't sprinkle the mechatos onto the kush, which is the main part of the stick with the hook at the top of it, and not on the metal weight that is at the bottom of the stick. They shouldn't sprinkle only on one of those two parts, because although rarely were the different parts taken apart, occasionally people did take them apart, and it wasn't so difficult to do so, and therefore, as a rabbinic stringency, one should ideally make sure to sprinkle both of the parts separately. However, the imhiza muza, if he did only sprinkle it on one of the parts, it is considered to be sprinkled and the entire utensil will be purified. The Mishnah is talking about a case where after it was sprinkled only on one of the parts, the other part of that tool touched something that if the item is not considered purified, it would make it tome. The Mishnah is ruling that we don't consider it tom- to be tome because... Since this is just a rabbinic stringency, they said that bidi eved, that means that once it was done in the non-ideal way, it's okay, and they didn't apply the stringency even after the fact, and they would consider the entire item to be purified. Shall Pishton, a similar tool that is used for spinning flax, which is a thinner material, and this, the different parts were never taken apart, and therefore chibur, they are considered to be connected, and it's sufficient, even ideally, to just allow the mechatos to be sprinkled on one of the parts of that tool. Next case of the Mishnah, a leather sheet inside of a cradle used by a baby, which is attached to the sides, connective tools on the sides of the cradle, to which this leather mat could be attached. Chibor is considered to be a proper attachment, even though it wasn't left there permanently. It still functioned very much as an intrinsic part of the bed, and therefore it is considered to be like one large utensil. Hamalbane, a block of wood that is placed underneath the legs of a bed, it's not considered to be connected and a part of the bed neither in terms of it becoming tome with the bed or becoming purified with the rest of the bed. These were not connected permanently at all. It was very easy to remove them from the from being underneath the legs of the bed, and therefore they are considered to be totally separate utensils. And the Mishnah ends off, Any handles of utensils that have a hollow part at the end of them in order to be inserted into the actual utensil, there's some piece that pokes out of the actual utensil and that is placed into the hollow part of the handle. Such handles were very rarely taken off of the utensils and therefore chibur, that would be considered to be a proper connection and it would have the status of one large utensil. Rabbi Yechemenuri says, Even handles that have a piece poking out of them and are placed into a hollow part of the actual utensil, so it's the opposite of the previous type of handles, and these handles were more easily removed, more commonly removed, but still, in general, people would keep them as a part and attached to the main utensil, and because it was still uncommon for it to be removed from the utensil, it would be considered as one large item.